They don't understand, they don't understand I'm running with the fam, yeah, I love the fam And we gon' serve the one that's from up above And they gon' know it's us by the way we love All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers And we gon' worship the father and we gon' drown in this water All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers And we gon' worship the father and we gon' drown in this water Family, family, family Christ up one time for my Welcome Reformed Dads, where all things are four dads, three dads, and two dads, as well as the aspiring husband and father. I'm your man, Dusty Marshall. I'm a Christian husband, father, hip-hop artist, and co-founder of Irregular for Christ Ministries. I have with me, as always, my man, Norm the Master's Dog Dunham. How you doing, brother? What's up, what's up, what's up? Glad to have you. Glad to have you, as always. And we have a special guest with us this week. We have Brother Wade Orsini, or should I say, formerly Brother Wade, now Pastor Wade Orsini with us. What's up, man? Hey, good to be here. Glad to have you. Exciting. Yes, sir. Real quick, before we get into our discussion, I just want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters out there. We appreciate you. We, we can't do this without you. We do this for you. Um, we're doing this to encourage men to lead their families in a biblical way. Uh, so thank you so much for supporting us. Uh, real quick, if you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, we are starting a book study on Vody Bauckham's book, Family Driven Faith, which will begin on the 21st of October. So if you want to jump on that, Go to patreon.com slash reformdads. Share, like, and subscribe wherever you're at, wherever you're listening. But let's go ahead and get into it. How are you guys doing? How's your week going? Been good. Been a, you know, less work. I think my shoulder is actually starting to get a little better. Um, Last week, I got to come to Apologia Church Utah's first service. So that was cool. Boom, boom, boom. Take a a day to come up and and hang out with y'all and did a little daddy daughter date with my, with my little one nice. uh, to kick off her birthday week. Cause we don't just celebrate her birthday. It's, it's Opal Palooza <laughs> all week long. Nice. Yeah. So, so yeah, I now have a five-year-old as of yesterday. Praise God. So it's been good. Man. Glorious. Praise God. Amen. What? No, no jump house birthday, no bounce house birthday party this year. No, we kept it low key this year. We kept it yeah. just pretty much family and, and just kind of did our thing and, that's so good. we'll probably do something a little bigger next year. Okay. Okay. Cool. And you, you guys uh, celebrated. You got some roller skates, you said, and uh, taking that on. Yeah. I, I'm, I've been on roller skates once in probably the last 30 years. So it's going to be fun to, uh, to break it down and teach her how to skate. But, um, but yeah, it's been really cool. It's, it's, we, skated around the living room last night on the carpet so <laughs> falls were a little uh you know not too bad i can say i did not fall myself but we'll see once i get out on a rink we'll see how that goes <laughs> and we're talking skates not rollerblades here right like yeah old, these old are school four wheel oh, skates nice. this okay this is old school i'm i'm yeah. an old man man i'm i'm I'm, i've never been on a pair of rollerblades in my life <laughs> okay but i've spent a lot of times on roller skates so okay. i'm actually just really interested to see if i can actually skate as well as i did 30 years ago wow. I'm, i don't have <laughs> high hopes but we'll see we'll all see. right all right and uh way what about you man we had another service this week our second service for apologia yeah. church utah i thought it went great how did what did you think about it oh man it's just uh it's glorious um i don't know 
on my way there, I'm just praising God. I can't believe that I get to be a part of this. When I leave, <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing. Lord, how, how do I get to be a part of this? And it just feels so good to have so many um, brothers and sisters who are already there, who are supportive, your family, Andrew's family, um, just already participating and helping in so many so many ways. And so, I mean, there's just no way you could do something like this without the body of Christ. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's during the week, that's my life, man. That's a church planner life. You know, it's just, uh, um, I should get into rollerblading though. It sounds like that's what I need to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's busy, but it's busy in all the good ways, you know? So awesome, man. Yeah. For, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, about would say we move you guys moved out here about a month ago actually august 6th august 6th in two months now two yeah. months now yep moved out here two months ago plans of uh, planning a church out here that had been planned for about two years you guys yep. have been working hard on that uh you and andrew sonkrant and um now you're out here and all that hard work is coming to uh fruition and um, you, you get to see the fruit of the labor and, yep. um, it's, yep. it's been amazing. Uh, let's see our, our last service. It's not about numbers, but the service before last, there was like 170 people at the right. opening service here. Church planners uh, dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, and then this last week, you know, about 80 people and, you know, you expect it to, sure. you know, kind of come down yeah. and, and the yeah. hype of things and, um, you know, but, but uh, the word is going forward. Yes. I thought it was a great message. I thought it was a great service. Um, but but we brought you on, man, and uh, we want to talk about biblical church planning, how to plan a church uh, right. biblically, and um, you know, kind of maybe you first you can kind of run us through maybe a testimony of how you became a church planner with Apologia. Sure. Um, and then we can get, dive into like you know what does the Bible have to say about church planning. Sure. Yeah. So I would say, you know, um, there is no, um, necessarily, uh, church planter office, of course, in the scriptures. Right. And so what we see is, uh, when you're going to plant a church, you need to be an overseer elder. You need to meet those qualifications in, uh, the pastoral epistles of first Timothy, uh, second Timothy and Titus. And so, um, you know, even in my own t testimony of um, being called to ministry, uh, and, and that calling is really identified in, in, in two ways, I would say. So about nine years ago, um, I, I had identified an aspiration mm -hmm. for ministry, and that's, that, that's definitely a huge part of it. Um, and a lot of guys have that. Um, that's that's really important. So you see in First Timothy that um, you know if a man aspires yes. to the office of elder, so it's there's a willingness, there's a desire, it's an internal call. It ought to be there, and and really it should be there in the way where you can't imagine doing anything else with your life. Mm. You want to serve the flock of God. You want to be an under shepherd to the good shepherd. Yeah, and that desire is present. With that, though, to make sure there's checks and balances, to make sure that 
it's it's not just a feeling. It's just not something that's fleeting. That's going to come and go. Um, to make sure you're actually qualified, I think the Bible demonstrates that there will be not only internal call but the external call. So at that time, nine years ago, I was at Levine Baptist, and my pastor had identified. You know, I think I think you're called to ministry. I think mm-hmm. this is something you should pursue. And then that internal and external call kind of meet together, and you go, okay, God, let me pray over this and um, and seek your will in this. Let me honor you in this and, and, and maybe start pursuing this. Yeah. And so that's kind of how it got started for me. And, um, and, and then really I went about it the way that I wouldn't actually prescribe it <laughs> <laughs> to, to other okay. people. So um, at that point, I kind of took things into my own hands, you know, you immediately think you need to be in seminary, something right. like that, which, right. which, you know, I'm not trying to um, dog on seminary or uh, uh, formal education or anything like that. It can be very helpful yeah. um, and, and sometimes necessary, especially going over, um, you know, the, the Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and stuff like that. That's, that's very important. Um, do I see it as a qualification in the epistles? I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. Right. Um, uh, so, so that's something to consider. But I, I did jump into that. I did four years um, at Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary. I earned a master's in theological studies. But at the end of the day, even then, and I thank God that He gave me this perspective. I didn't care about titles. I didn't care about a degree. Um, they offered the same thing in the form of, of a certificate. I would have done the certificate because it was all about getting the preparation that I needed to okay. do this. Okay. Um, and so. About halfway through seminary, um, uh, being at Levine Baptist, I had uh, stumbled upon, much like a lot of other people, in 2015, I stumbled upon Apologia Church, like a, a, a older video of Pastor Jeff um, sharing the gospel with some Mormons, and I just thought, wow, they're actually they're doing what I've wanted to do, mm. and uh, I was kind of the one of the only guys at the church, one of one of a few. Um, at my church, going out and trying to do evangelism. Okay. And so um, I was just drawn to that. And so we had a period of two months where um, where we were going to our church in the morning and then apology in the evening, going, God, wow. where do you really want us? And I was doing abortion mill ministry with them, making friends with all of them, very like-minded. And I had really, um, really had been honing in on leaving four-point four Calvinism and, and becoming a full five-point, okay. uh, you know, Reformed Baptist. And so that, of course, was a big part of it. And so, um, so yeah, anyways, uh, you know, of course, here I am, Apologia. And so yeah. joined on in with that. And, um, and you know, um, at the time, um, I had really, I had a rapport with my old church. Yeah. I, I had a, I had um you know, they had known me and I had been given opportunities to uh, teach and stuff, which in the Southern Baptist Convention, and I'm not trying to dog on my old church, uh, love them so much, but oftentimes, you know, if you're it, if you in Southern Baptist, yeah, if you have a quote unquote gifting, you're given opportunities right away to influence people and teach people. And that's something you need to be careful about. Sure. Um, so anyways... I came to Apologia expecting that same type of thing developed, and I would say, boy, did I come face-to-face <laughs> with proper, pro- proper ecclesiology and just how uh, church government, 
how how does this whole thing run? You know that, that that there's a there's a system. There's two offices. There's the overseer elder, and then there's deacons. And 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 how does this all work? How does the church? How is the church involved in in raising up leaders? Because now I'm of the opinion, and and, and not even just the opinion. I think we see it demonstrated in Scripture. Is that uh, you know besides something like seminary, a man primarily is raised up within his local church yeah. by his elders and and gone through testing and qualificate and seeing if he meets the qualifications and seeing if they are committed and and what they're what they're how they run their own household that I mean we're going to probably go over that but that's yeah. that's a huge part of it how do you run your own household with your wife and your and your your children and stuff and so you know those those are things that are very necessary being raised up within raising up leaders within. And so to be honest, I know this is a long story. No, you're good. I'm going to make it quick. I'm going to wrap it up. But, you know, I had been looking for opportunity with Apologia and not putting in really the, the work, even the menial work to get there. Yeah. yeah, If you're not willing to do stuff like cleaning toilets or picking up trash, um, you know, at the end of service, as a pastor, if you're not willing to do what the lowest guy would be willing to do, then you know, then I don't think you even ought to be the guy who gets to be in the pulpit sort of sure. thing. You should mm-hmm. you should be willing to do it all. And so um, I wasn't doing that. I mm. wasn't doing that stuff. I thought that I was going to come on and get a some sort of formal program, and they were going <laughs> to help me, you know, get to the next level. And yeah. I remember in I I call it ignorant pride because I was very naive. I really didn't know what proper ecclesiology looked like. And I came in and I said, you know, hey, guys, if you ever need me to fill the pulpit sometime, <laughs> I can do that. You know, give me an opportunity. And and boy, uh, when I see young guys come to apology and do that now, I just I have a heart for them, number one. But number two is like, let me take you aside for a moment. Let me talk, yeah. to, talk to you about this. And so, you know, they were gracious with me. Um, they were very gracious and they were willing to work with me, but it wasn't going to be something that they... We're going to force. Right. It was going to be an organic raising up, how the Lord leads it. And so um, I had finished my seminary degree in 2017, been at Apologia for almost two years, and, um, you know, it wasn't good enough for me. Uh, pe- my family, my father, um, you know, people from outside of this kind of context, like, they think, you doing? yeah, they think, you just graduated. You graduated school. Where's your job? Exactly. Why yeah. aren't you a pastor yet? And you and you even go. You're right. You you kind of look uh, at yourself and go. This is where I'm supposed to be. I graduated. Right. It's, That's it's, what our culture tells us. You you go to school. You graduate. You get a job. You get a job. And yep. I think that just translates into the pastorate as well. Exactly. That's precisely right, brother. You you graduate. You get a job. And. You know, I started to to believe that a little bit and feel that pressure just of, oh, I've got to live up to, to what people have been praying for, what people have donated to for tuition and stuff. And so, you know, I'm going, I'm not really seeing it here. And so I'm, I'm looking at the SBC job site. I'm thinking about applying places, other states, whatever it took. And so at the time we had moved about 45 minutes south of the church. And I thought, you know what, this little town that I'm moving into 
called Maricopa could really use probably a solid church like Apologia. I could be that guy. You could be the guy. I could okay. be that guy. Let yeah. me do that. Let, let me let me save Maricopa or right. something. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, in in sin, it it, it was sin. In sin, I had left Apologia. And so um, the church that I was called to with my family, and um, where did I, who did I hook up with? I immediately called, um, uh, you know, the North American Mission Board. And, um, you know, I'm talking about the SBC. I'm talking about the North American Mission Board. I, you know, I, there's so many great brothers and sisters in that. I want to mention that. I'm not trying to hit on that. Um, but I think there are some things that could be corrected there. So if anyone's with that organization, they end up listening to this, just know, um, you know, I love you. And, and, and these are things that I, I hope could be worked on or have been fixed. But I, I, a man shouldn't be able to come to a mission board with a denomination that they're not even a part of and go, I want to plant a church. Yeah. And they don't even contact your old past. They didn't contact my old pastors. Wow. They didn't. They took my word for it. Yeah. They you know, that I was in good standing, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, uh, was it like an application process? Like it's like, it's like you meet with someone, you meet okay. with a regional, um, a regional, uh, representative okay. and you kind of have lunch and go over, you know, where you're at and, and what you want to do. And they'll determine if they want to invest their time and, uh, and okay. efforts and resources into you. Interview process. Yeah, that's what it kind of is. And it, okay. and and again, they take your word for it, which is just, I would never do that at all. I mean, um, even people who are starting to join Apologia Church Utah right now, if they come from another church, it, I think it's prudent sometimes to check, uh, most of the time, to check with their old church and see how yeah. things went, especially right. if they come going, man, the old church I was a part of it, it was yeah. terrible, blah, blah, blah. My right. pastor was horrible. It's like, okay, that's something that I, someone who I really want to kind of look into a little bit. Sure. So anyways, you know, I'm going through this and they're saying, well, yeah, this is great. So you actually did evangelism and stuff because, uh, you know, not a lot of people actually get the gospel <laughs> out. Yeah. Go figure. And so, they say, you know what? Before you consider planting, there are three SBC um, churches, churches there. down there okay. right now. So, um, if you wouldn't mind, would you meet with them, um, with those pastors, and see where they're at with stuff? And so, I I meet with them. We have one big lunch. Even the North American Mission Board representatives there. We all have this lunch, and they're going. You know what? Our churches are struggling down here, um, and we are not growing. And um, it would just be a waste for you to try to make a fourth church down here. And so I'm kind of deflated a little bit, Mm. but then they all start campaigning for me. Said, well, so you're here, right? Yeah, I bought a house. I'm here now. Well, which one? Which one of us are you gonna join? Okay. And so now I'm kind of in this position <laughs> where there's where, desire for yeah, you. Yeah, because this guy actually does evangelism. He's got good theology from what they can tell, and they're all vi- vying for me. Okay. So a, a period of okay, now I'm gonna check out their churches, and and uh, you know some are already they don't even know me, and some are already offering me kind of like formal leadership positions. Okay. Not mm-hmm. not fully vocational, but it's like. That blows me away yeah. to this day. Um, and so I go out to lunch. I, I, I finally pick one that I think is right. And so anyways, I, I won't go all into it, but, uh, you know, it, it just became apparent um, that our theology was different and, um, and um, 
you know, even my desire to get the gospel out and was evangelism different. was do different. real evangelism. Yeah, actually proclaim the gospel, not just invite people to church, was something that they didn't want. It's amazing that their churches weren't growing. Yeah, exactly. They weren't doing <laughs> right. evangelism. Right, exactly. Their, their churches were struggling. In fact, from my understanding, the one that I was a part of now um, dissolved. Okay, it finally dissolved last year, which. Uh, you know, COVID just put the nail on the coffins for them. Okay. So that, that, that that's exactly it. If if a church isn't getting the gospel out, they're uh they're dying. They're right. a dying church. Yeah. Um so yeah, man, I I I was in that and I was getting all that I wanted. I got preaching opportunities. Um uh, every month they would let me take the pulpit. I was leading Bible study stuff after them not knowing you. After really. them not really knowing me at all. Okay, uh, I'm I'm getting to do this. I'm getting to do that, and they were, you know, in their eyes, you know, they were just like, "This guy's this guy's awesome. He's a hard worker, whatever." Um, and so, it's not, actually going ju- just fine in that sense. Other than I'm starting to see issues that when I preach on Reformed theology, uh, even though the pastor said he was Calvinistic, even though I'm talking about abortion, it seems like. A lot of the families are upset that I'm talking about abortion, okay. um, evangelism. They gave me a project again to come with up with this big evangelism um, uh, plan, and all all my plans had to deal with verbal proclamation. So, anyways, this is all starting to happen, and meanwhile, I'm still maintaining <laughs> friendships with like. M- people at Apologia who yeah. live now in Maricopa, and one of the reasons why I told people at Apologia. Uh, I was leaving was, well, I'm going to be too far now. But then five families at, at Apologia live in Maricopa, <laughs> right, so that's kind of a right. bad excuse. It was really my own sin. And so I, I'm going, you know what? Lord, I've made a big mistake. I've made a prideful mistake. I'm owed nothing. I am mm. not owed this office. Mm. I am not owed uh, a position in a church. I He just, just this crushing and humbling uh, came upon me from the Lord that I had made a terrible decision for my family. My wife finally came to me and said, um, you know, you, I I was just submitting to you as my husband. I did not want to leave Apologia, but I, I wow. you know, I didn't want to say anything because you were leading our family, but I have been miserable and I miss wow. our family, our church family. And it just all came upon me. My daughter, too. I miss everyone. That's our church daddy. That's our church. And, um, oh, my goodness, just nights of of tears and just praying and going, God, what have I done? Because now in the process, I'll have to hurt this church that I just joined. Right, yeah. And then I hurt my past church. And it's just such a such a bad situation, you know, um, boy, if you're ever thinking about leaving your church, really spend months and months of prayer and counsel with godly brothers and pastors before you do something like that. So anyways, you know, so God gave you what you wanted first. Let's go there. God gave you what you wanted. You wanted to be a pastor. You wanted to, to preach and God's like, okay, yeah, here you go. Here's your timing. Right. I'll give you all that you were looking for except it was nothing that I really wanted or that I was called to. And, um, and so I come back to Apologia. I ask for a meeting with the, with the elders there, and I just spill my guts, and I tell them, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm so sorry. I hurt you guys. I hurt the church. Don't, don't ever ghost a church, even though I 
you know, sent out notification, don't ever ghost a church. That is just wicked. Right. Yeah, just opinion. leave and not tell them. Exactly. Don't treat membership so flippantly yeah. and immaturely as to leave without without that sort of goodbye and prayer and stuff like that. So anyways, um, they just, they recognize that, you know, I, I even cried in that meeting. I just, you know, my wife did too. They recognized the hurt um, in us too. And, and so they received our, um, mm. our, our, our apology and they forgave us. And, and in that meeting, you know, I told them, look, it, it, it might be apparent here that I, I, I may not be called to this. And, um, you know, at, at this point, I'm going to take a back seat and I just want to serve the body. I have no expectation of leadership. I have no expectation of um, serving in any formal capacity or, or, or becoming a pastor or teaching or anything. Look, yeah. I just want to come be a part of the church and serve. And they said, that's great. That's what we want to hear. And so um, had to let that other church down. Um, did what I could to make amends there. And of course they were upset. I don't, yeah. I don't, I, I, you know, I don't discount that. I hurt them as well. And, but I, I just, all I could tell them was, look, I was called to apologia. My God wants us there and I should have never left. I hurt you in the process. I'm sorry. So yeah. anyways, yeah, it's just from there that was, uh, so I was only gone from apologia for like six months or so. Okay. That was a six month uh, break and so I come back um, and it's 2018 now and yeah I'm just now my desire is to serve so you know I always tell young men be careful do you do you serve the church because it's a means to a pastoral end mm. or do you serve mm. the church because that's the end that you want sure. Your goal is to serve the church, and therefore you serve the church, or do you serve the church to make it look like you're you're good enough to be a pastor? Okay. Where's your yeah. heart in with that? Where's your heart at? Because at this point, I uh, I just started serving. I finally now I'm doing the things that they were, you know, hoping to see. I didn't know that in the back background, but I was coming early, staying late. Just you know, you're you're the guy doing chairs, cleaning up, doing trashes, doing all that, and and they start to see that and and and, you know, honor that and, and started to gain a love for me again. And so, yeah, it's just an organic thing. And so yeah. that after, uh, you know, m- months of doing that, they said, Wade, you know what? You are called. Mm, and I said, that. don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me I'm called. Cause I might take this too seriously again. Yeah, I might. Right. Cause I'll, I'll, I run with stuff, you yeah. know? And, uh, but you know, it worked out. You know, they they said that. They said, "Do you still aspire?" I said, "You know, I've now had this much time of a break. I think, I, I think I do. I I can't imagine doing anything else." And so from there, uh, you know, just coming into uh, the church office weekly and and gleaning from them and them working with me and you know pointing out errors and making correction on my life. You know, one thing. When you're going into the ministry, one thing you got to be willing to be is teachable yeah. and moldable, right? And to be right. an open book and have them point out stuff in your life. So, anyways, that's that's kind of my story there. And of course, there's more that led to Utah, but that that's kind of um, you know what what brought us to the point of okay, he's called, and let's let's move from there. 
That's awesome, man. Thank you for sharing Amen. that testimony. That was actually really great. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad to listen to that and hear that for myself. Um, but also I'm sure that some men are going to be challenged by that. Um, because I think, you know, one of the main things our culture says is that if you have the gifting, then you're automatically in the office. Right. And right, that's right. not how it goes. Just because you have a gifting, that's kind of like, okay, that's one aspect of it. But the other is what are all the biblical requirements? Exactly. Right? Are you is are your pastors even after you've aspired, are they saying, Yeah, we see it and we want and when we think mm-hmm. that it's there as well, and now we're going to work with you and raise you up and examine your life. Um, and, and, um, affirm that calling, you know, affirm that with scripture. Right. Um, I see it in our culture, you know, in, in women pastors and, Mm. um, transgender, uh, people in the church serving as deacons or homosexuals serving as deacons. Um, we've completely left out the biblical requirements Mm -hmm. for overseer and deacon, and we've adopted do you have the gift? Is God, do we think God is blessing it? Well, that's enough, right? right? Is right. it is your, is the church growing or is the ministry that you're leading in our church growing? Well, that must mean that it should happen, that you should be a pastor just because right. something is growing from that. Right? Exactly. And to your point, I think Vody Bauckham spoke on this. He says, we do a great disservice to the average churchman and I kept listening, and he said, when we see a, a man or a young man um, interested in church history, he's into his Bible, he's into theology, and he's reading, and he's passionate about Christ, and he wants to do some evangelism, pastors, we do a disservice to these type of young men because we we automatically go, well, you just must be called to ministry then. Right. And so right. we actually we lower the bar for the other churchmen because the other churchmen go, oh, thank God. He must be. He's into theology and he's into the Bible and into the the righteous things of the Word. Okay, good. He's 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 called to ministry now. I can stay at my lower level mm. of not reading the Bible, not caring about church history, not caring about the original languages, not caring about evangelism. And so those type of churchmen are are glad to see when we say, "Oh, you love that stuff. You must be a minister," but that doesn't mean that those guys are to be a minister. Right. We 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 should all be desiring yeah, to continue to study exactly. and follow God's word. It's not just the elevated this guy is called. Oh, this guy's called now. Yeah, he loves all yeah. this stuff. So, yeah, that's something that you really have to consider. So if anyone's even listening and and you're going, "Man, I love the things of the Bible. I love even leading my little Bible study." And I love church history and I love evangelism. If you're, if you love all that, good. That's good. what a Christian should yes. love. Yeah. And, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're called. Right. So, right. Yeah. Right. And, and similar story with me, you know, I got involved in ministry about nine years ago and it was the same thing. It's like, well, I have a gifting. I have a passion for this. I should be doing this. You know, I went to, I started going to school, same type of thing. Um, and you know, I got started way before I should have. 
um, there wasn't someone examining my life. Now I wasn't in pastoral ministry. I wasn't uh, a deacon at my church, but I was very much um, doing things in ministry that I wasn't prepared for as a husband, as um, a father. Um, My marriage was very broken, yet I was out on the road with my wife um, ministering in front of recovery groups and then fighting in between the right. in between right. right before we show up at the end of it um it was just very destructive um and praise the lord he still continued to use that and through um the discipleship of amazing men you know showing up getting to and joining apology in 2017 you know um I got to see that I was uh, very much falling short as a husband and mm-hmm. as a father. Um, but I also, uh, I, 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 I was encouraged to do ministry because uh, I could communicate well. Sure, you know, that was sure. something I had in my past, even before becoming yeah. a Christian. I was used to being in front of people and performing and communicating so that people in the church would see that and be like, well, he has a gifting. You should be doing this. But that's not, uh, that's not the, there. that's one, maybe one part of it, but not the affirming part. So maybe we can talk about what is the affirming part in scripture? What does scripture tell us that someone uh, involved in teaching in the church should be? Uh, what are the requirements of that? It's not just gifting, but it's, let's look at these things in their life. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, I mentioned it prior. Um, you go straight to the word when you want to determine um, is someone qualified. Um, you go straight to the word. So that's, of course, First Timothy chapter three. Um, you know, Paul begins with it is a trustworthy statement. And you actually see this phrase throughout his epistles. Sometimes he'll say this statement before he gives um, even a, a known Christian. Uh, first century uh, hymn or something like that, which talks about Christ and the resurrection or something like that. Um, maybe from the the you know Philippians or they also have it in Titus. But he says this is a trustworthy statement. This is serious. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work if he desires to do it. And then it goes through all that he has to, all the qualifications that he has to meet, of course. And so we have we have moral moral things here, um, to be above, be above reproach, um, uh, uh, not, not pugnacious to be gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. So they're not greedy, things like that. But it's definitely some things that stick out are, um, it says here that they are able to teach. Yeah. Able to teach is definitely a defining role of a, of an elder as opposed to a deacon. Yeah. That is not a qualification for deacon. So able to teach is huge. Uh, but then I always think this is one of the most important things. It says he must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? Mm. And yeah. that's just, Amen. that's just, um, that's one Oh one right there. Yeah. Um, I think it goes on to say with the, uh, uh, oh yeah, in verse six, not a new convert, not a yeah. new convert. That's a big deal. Right. So you're saying 
if you're new to the faith and you're just coming right out of uh, school, that doesn't qualify you right. because you might technically be a new convert, right? And right. You could be conceited, yeah. puffed up uh, in that position, not ready for it, right? Exactly. And, right. you know, um, I've only been saved, I, even though I grew up at going to church, it was kind of nominal Christian believing family. Um, I don't, I've only been saved 10 years, but nine years ago is when, you know, my pastor said, I think you're called. So they only <laughs> viewed me for about a year, right. um, which in God's providence and sovereignty, here we are. Right. Um, but still yeah. that's something to, 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 to consider. Um, this is a, this is a years long process Yeah. Right. from, from, from internal and external call to the point where we just had our first church service two weeks ago, it took nine years. It took six years at Apologia. So this is not an overnight thing, and that might deflate a lot of young guys who are aspiring listening, that it takes that long. And sometimes it doesn't take that long, and God throws you in, throws you in it. And, uh, or maybe your church is one of these churches that are not, in my opinion— or in the Bible's opinion, practicing good ecclesiology and raising you up. But, right. you know, the fact is, the, the question is, how can you determine a man is qualified if you have yet to see how he has managed his household? Right. And right. If, if he's a new convert, if he's, or if he's mature in the faith. Right. So, so what you're saying is <clears throat> a, a seasoned pastor comes into your office He's been a pastor of another church that's grown by 5,000 members since he's been there. And he comes in and he hands in his application to a church and they say, well, well, that's awesome. Uh, we want to have you as our pastor. That is not biblical right. because they haven't examined how he manages his household and they can't even examine how he's... Uh, taken care of his household until he's been there for a while for them to observe it. Sure. So that's the internal bringing up, right? Yeah. You need to be there so we can observe how you manage your family, how you act. It says here, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, not a drunkard able to teach. These things have to be observable over time. They can't be figured out in an interview. Right. Right. And I mean, they try to get through this with, pastoral search committees and, and, you know, I don't, do I necessarily think it's a sin when they hire out? Not necessarily. Can, has it proven, um, to be unwise? A lot of times it has, it has hurt churches and because you can't determine those things. Um, what I think you see in the new Testament are, uh, the fact Paul even says it here in this, in this epistle of first Timothy, he says, really the, a lot of the, the, the main functions of this epistle are Timothy. Um, I, I want to encourage you. Number two, deal with false teachers. And number three, appoint elders there in Ephesus, appoint elders. And so um, they're there, they're in that context and the church has observed their lives. So that's, that's what you see. It's hard to do that. You know, if you're just bringing in that guy and you're trusting him and, yeah. and so, yeah, we need to see, you know, how you're managing your household, how, how, right. how you're doing with stuff. So, so Norm, we've talked a lot. I'd love to hear you weigh in. Sorry for, uh, no, yeah, no, that's good. I, it was great. And it's good to hear the, uh, your story as you've come a long way. And I, I mean, there are so many things that I find similar between us 
And then yeah. things that, I mean, where I was just, you, you talking about going into to the elders at Apologia and going, Hey, I'll fill your pulpit whenever I want. I did that when I came from, <laughs> you know, to Utah. Cause I initially came to Utah to be a church planter as well. Um, we okay. moved from Colorado to, to Utah to plant a church, but I was in a movement that was not good. Um, <laughs> I would actually say they're borderline heretical at this point. Now I've kind of lost contact and, and keeping track of the vineyard movement, but I know they are not theologically sound, but I came the first time I went to refuge church. I, I met with Kellen, the pastor at the time. I'm like, yeah, be happy to fill your pulpit anytime you want. <laughs> and I look back on that and I'm like, I was such a fool, but you know, just, listening to the qualifications and dusty kind of your story of coming into the faith and jumping into ministry. One thing I think that I see a lot of people do just kind of stepping back into this last thing, it just popped into my head is there are so many people that will take Paul's statement to Timothy that don't let anybody look down upon you because of your youth. And they Mm. equate that to somebody's time in the church. And it's like, you know what? No, you, you know, they can be young and have been in the church for a long period of time. Pastor Brian at Refuge, dude was born the year I graduated high school. <laughs> He's young, but he is seasoned and he has grown. And, right. and I watched him, you know, as, as I was an elder with him as an elder, and then he moved into the pastoral position as the, the, the teaching pastor and, and so on, just to watch that. But he has years of, good theological training behind him right. coming into that. So as a young man, he he is fully qualified. And we got to see, I mean, I've watched as every one of his kids were born. I knew him before he was married. And so as we were elders and we considered him, you know, to be the 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 lead pastor of the church, we knew all these things. And like you said, yeah. you can't know that about a man who just comes in and drops a resume. You may be able to call other people and stuff like that, but you know, unless you've got some real deep knowledge of, of the way the man leads his home, his ability to teach, all those things, you know, you you should not hire that man right, as your yeah. pastor. You need to know these things. And to what you were saying a little bit ago too, Wade, there are so many people that, you know, they're gifted evangelists. You know what? Maybe that's just what they're called to do. Yeah. They're not sure. called to pastoral ministry just because they're a talented evangelist. And I think, honestly, looking back on my story, the, the four years that I pastored a church in Colorado, I probably should have just been an evangelist. Mm. I really should have just stuck with open air evangelism doing that because that's where my my main gifting is. I can teach and I can do some of these things, but you know, again, it it a lot of times the way I led my family suffered because of my mm. uh my distraction by ministry. So, yeah, there's right. a lot of things that come into fact. And I mean, I was an elder at, at Refuge Church for years before, you know, and I I do feel I was qualified and we examined all the elders year after year and made sure we were in a good place. And then at one point it was, it was obvious, you know what? I need to step down. I need to step back from being an elder and just be a member of the church and do evangelism and abortion ministry and the different things that God has gifted me in. But again, eldership is not necessary. Even being an elder doesn't mean you're called to 
that point of pastoral ministry of, you know, in the same way that some other people are, Sure. you know, and having the ability to teach doesn't necessarily mean you need to be an elder or a pastor. I've got two ordination certificates on the wall behind me. And <laughs> at this point right now, I'm more than happy to go out and stand in front of Planned Parenthood and beg moms not to murder their babies and share the gospel. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. If you, if you don't mind, you bring up a good point too about even our local context. When I think about Utah and the pastors who I've spoke to here, um, they talk about just all year long, there's waves of guys coming in and they have their, some are backed by their church. Some are not, some are rogues and, it's just kind of a year long, all throughout the year, these guys keep coming. Or, or I, I even knew of a guy, um, you know, who, who um, wanted to move here and, and, and just start a church, you know, with, with sometimes these guys have no, uh, they hold no membership anywhere. Oh, it's wow. just, that's kind of a, it's a big Utah thing is they think, you know, there is a need here for more churches. There is, no doubt, that's true. We need to get the gospel out more to, to our Mormon context, but you know, these guys, they, they go rogue and they take it upon themselves. Just, you know what? I'll come and I'll be the hero. And they don't think about mm-hmm. the implications of that and the proper processes that God yeah. gives. So, I want to ask you about that real quick. Would you say that in proper church planting that you're actually sent by other elders from a church that you've been a member at to plant a church? Um, versus someone who's been in a church for 10 years, who's gone through the schooling and it's like, you know what, I want to plant a church and I'm going to go do it. Right. Yeah. I would say, uh, being sent is the, the, the proper way. I don't, I've, I don't think going to plant a church is ever divorced from a local church. I don't think we ever see that. I think even the church in Jerusalem and how, you know, after Christ's resurrection and Acts chapter one, and he says, you know, I'll give you power in the Holy Spirit and go take this gospel to Samaria, Jerusalem, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. When he says that, I it, Christianity is a, uh, you know, a faith that has been systematically handed down from Christ to the apostles, to believers in the first century, and to each successive believer and generation after that. Yeah, this doesn't just pop out of nowhere, and so we don't. We, there's order to to the way that God has established His church, and yeah. and and there's checks and balances, and there's um, proper ecclesiology, and so I don't I don't think you see a guy uh, that is not biblical, in my opinion, for a guy just to um, out of thin air decide to plant a church with no one vetting who he is and his theology and, and um, what he's about. I think that these qualifications here in First Timothy presuppose right. that they will be scrutinized under these things uh, by a, a valid body or by uh, valid pastors. Yes. So yeah, you are, you are raised up and you are sent. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, too, for me in my past, I come, I would got saved in a mega church and I think, you know, I didn't aspire to be a pastor, but the, the glamour of what was put on that position, everybody 
was excited about this guy to come and preach his 20-minute sermon and then drive off and not see him for the rest of the week. But he was a great communicator. And it was almost, you know, this, this glamorous role. And then years down the road, uh, after coming to Apologia to seeing what actually is required of the work of an elder, the work of a pastor, um, and the amount of hours and sacrifice and time and counseling that these men put in, um, that is what people aspiring to be pastor need to see. Yeah. To see if they really aspire to the pastor. Right. Past, to being a pastor. Right. Not the, oh man, this guy's a great communicator. And then I don't see him the rest of the week. Or they're on TV with their great message and tons of followers and people emotionally coming to the front of the stage, raising their hands, yeah. saying that they are repeating a prayer and they believe in Christ. But the reality of it is it's that it's, and our pastors have talked about this, is that it's a highly rewarding position and the most sacrificial position you could probably also be in no in doubt. the church. Exactly. No doubt. And I mean, exactly. Paul, Paul says it too. I mean, how can you be a minister and look at when Paul says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering? Mm-hmm. I mean, that reminds me of like Bilbo in Lord of the Rings where he says, I feel like butter scraped over too much bread. I'm worn thin, you know? Uh, I mean, that Paul talks like that for a reason, because you give your life to all of it. I, I knew a pastor who said, you know, counseling, biblical counseling, you know, they can go see a counselor. They can go see a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. They play golf during the week, and uh, <laughs> and then they prepare a 25-minute sermon. And I mean, that is just not the... That's just not what we see prescribed in Scripture. You're you're right. Just uh, that example of just giving your life over and um, yeah, just very sacrificial. It's it's very hard. Now I understand when they said if you could do anything else and, <laughs> and, and enjoy doing it, do it because yeah. this is difficult and church planning is hard. If you're gonna do this right, if you're gonna honor God in it, and it's gonna be difficult. You know, we talked about the numbers earlier. That's great. That's great that there was a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, our measure of success is faithfulness. It's not even numbers. So absolutely, that's how we do it. And two, when we when we talk about numbers, you know, we've talked about this. It's like I see my you know my pastors from back at Apologia, uh, Arizona, and the church having this huge growth spurt, but like that means more outpouring, more counseling, more, more, um, there's more of a burden, right? They're being blessed in growth, but that also means, man, they have a lot more work to do. Yeah. They have, they're going to be a lot run a lot more thin because they're going to be counseling that many people. They're going to be meeting new members. They're going to be getting to know other people. They're going to need more deacons to, to help serve like that. Church growth actually means, like, I got to step up and do yeah, more. Yeah. Think about a shepherd with sheep, honestly. They're, think right. about, you know, if your flock grows as a shepherd, um, that's, that's, more, that's more feeding. So mm-hmm. that's more feeding to them. That's more guarding them mm-hmm. from wolves and predators. And that's, that's more um, 
medicine, and and so you can look at that as counseling, uh, more uh, more of a you know tending to maybe wounds or diseases and stuff, and and so uh, there's more of that now that your flock has grown. It doesn't make it uh, yeah any easier. It's a glorious thing, but yeah, it's it's hard work. Yeah. You know? So if you're aspiring to uh, just preach on a Sunday um, and not have any other interaction with the church body, yeah. that's not the pastor. Right, right. Jesus yeah. says, you know, you want to be, they, they want to be called rabbi, rabbi, teacher, teacher. If you just want to be called pastor, pastor and preach 20 minutes, then don't even, don't even start. Don't even start. Right. And right. It, and exactly. Even, and on this prerequisite that we're talking about, about managing your household, uh, that's where it begins, right? Yeah. If you can't pastor or oversee your own household, if you can't raise your children up and minister to your wife, um, you have no business trying to minister and oversee the people of yeah. God, right? The and that's church. The, that's the double-edged sword because maybe, so I'm, I'm called, I now, I now am a, a pastor of a church, I've meet the qualifications, but now in ministry, if I neglect my wife and my daughter, then I actually disqualify myself. Right. So right. sometimes people get into ministry and they sacrifice their their family time, and that's where the whole pastor PK pastor's mm. kid comes in. They're yeah. the worst sort of kid because their father is ministering to everyone but them, and okay. and then the wife is feeling. Uh, no love because all his love is being given to the flock. So it's a double-edged sword in that you can disqualify yourself as a minister if you neglect your family. And so there's, there's always, we always see in the Christian life, that balance. Yes. Yep. So you're, what you're Absolutely. saying is if you want to be a pastor, start with your household. Yep. Start with your household, pursue God, raise your children up, raise your wife up, lead them well. Do you do family worship? Yes. The, uh, does your kid actually obey you and your wife? Do they actually obey you? Would they obey you in private as they do at the church, or do they just act like a saint at the church? Do you do family worship? Does your wife actually submit to your authority uh, in the role of husband? You know, those are things to consider uh, with the family. Yeah, and it, right. and it, it says that right here. It says... Uh, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? If you can't disciple your children, if you can't discipline your children, what? how are you going to be able to discipline church discipline? How is that going to be able to right. apply? And there you go. That's the issue of today. They don't do church discipline anyways, so their <laughs> kids can run amok and their wife can disrespect them so because yep. they're afraid to do it in the church. But that is uh, that was actually one of the things that came out of the Reformation was um, not only sola scriptura, um, but even church discipline. Church discipline and proper church government were some tenets that came out of the Reformation. It's, it's like, why was church discipline singled out? You know, yeah. you think about right. that, and that's such a problem in the American church today is that the Matthew 18 process is not being mm. upheld. And so when sin in the own, in the house of God is not being uh, rebuked and then corrected, 
um, then you just let sin permeate the church and they, they do whatever they want. They, um, why do you think Paul wrote these letters? Mostly it was to deal with sin issues. Right. He confronted the sin issues in specific churches. You've had your father's wife, Corinthians. You've had your father's wife. What are you doing? You need to treat this one like a sinner. Take him out of your church, you know? Right. And so when we don't do that and we let, and pastors let sin permeate the church, it just festers and diseases. I mean, one of the, one of the first couple Sundays I was at Apologia Church, um, they said, hey, if you're a member, stay back. If you, if you plan to be a member, you're <laughs> yeah. allowed to stay. And yeah. I got to see a formal church discipline meeting take place. And I mean, it was sad to see what yeah. had happened, right? Church discipline, the, the goal of that is reconciliation and repentance, always. Right. That's the goal. Um, right. But but in the end of the day, if they won't repent and reconcile, then also the goal is that they would leave. Yeah. And that's a and that and that's a righteous mm-hmm. thing too for the church. And it's a it's a healing thing. I've seen from that out of those situations where the church grew closer together. And and then the people actually see my leaders, my deacons, and my pastors actually care about dealing with sin. And so it encourages them, but it also kind of like Ananias and Sapphira, the very first church dis- church discipline case in the book of Acts, g- God wanted the church to be to take this so seriously that he, he took them. He took yeah. them out of this yeah. world. Yeah. That's how Completely. serious it was. That was the first church discipline case. And so when when we see that also takes place, it helps put the fear of God in us. Yes. And in the church Amen. body that we would not commit sin against each other. So right. Anyways. We had a we had a situation in, in our church. And I mean being an elder, I've been in meetings with church discipline where we've called men and women to repentance and seen fruit and seen them repent Amen. and where it was like you can see restoration and these things happening. We had not too long ago where it actually got to a point with a very prideful man in our congregation that it got to the public pronouncement of his church discipline. Sure. Brian had to stand up before the church and say, this man is under church discipline. We have excommunicated him from our body. He is not welcome here right now. We should not have anything to do with him until he comes to a place of repentance. Mm. And because of that, there was another family that had a situation between father and son where son was being very disrespectful to the father and had called in, you know, a mix, a blended family. So this kid had a, his mom had another husband and so on, but had called in social services, had accused his dad of all these things that his dad did not do. He sat in church saw Pastor Brian execute church discipline on this man, and immediately at the end of the service, at the end of the service that day, that boy walked up to his dad and said, I am sorry for what I have done to you. I'm sorry for lying about you. I'm sorry. And repentance happened with that boy because of what happened with church discipline in front of the church. So it is, it is a mandate from God. It is what we are supposed to do. And if your church is not doing any kind of church discipline, it's not a church. You got to do church discipline. Boom. Yeah. Yep. I agree with that. Yeah. It's a, it's another hot stove that you shouldn't touch that you're like, I'm scared to touch that hot stove right now. <laughs> Seriously, for, for a member, you know what I mean? Yeah. For me, it's like when I see that happen, when my wife sees that happen, we're like, we got to get it together. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, 
No. Self-reflection. Yeah. Yes, time for some self-reflection here because there is something, you know, obviously there's God's standards and his he hates sin, but there's also the church authority there with the keys to the keys there, right? Yeah. They hold on to some keys um, and they're able to close a door there in the church and that has some factors in it. Um, but also those things too, you know, if you're a, aspiring to be a pastor, you need to love the sheep. Yeah. You need yeah. to love the members of the right. church. And I, and I kind of pull that from, um, you know, in a family, if you love your children, you discipline them. Exactly. Right. If you love your children, you discipline them. Uh, for a pastor, you have to love your church. You have to love the members and you need to discipline them if you love them. Right. Yes. That's a part yes. of loving them. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, a, it is a family, right? It's, it's a, it's a body. Uh, it's the family. It's the bride of Christ. But we get that example, you know, from, from the family and that's why it's important. And that's why, you know, part of why the family is the prerequisite. Amen. Amen. Yep. It is much Amen. like a family in that way. Mm-hmm. And in seeing those things and seeing church discipline for the first time when I came to Apologia very early on, in seeing how our pastors treat preparing a sermon uh, and dealing with the flock and the time that they spend, it's like, I almost feel like more than uh, an excitement to be a pastor, there's like a healthy reverence there. Mm. You know, there's a healthy like, man, that's a that's like a big right. deal. Right. And yeah, I mean, you know, just if you're a member listening to a member of a church, think about how they will be held uh, doubly accountable mm. for how to God, how they how they um, shepherd the flock, how they, how they steward the people that God has given them. Um, because it, it, you know, use an analogy. It's like, it's like when you're promoted at a job and you become a manager and you have, you know, 20 staff underneath you. Well, the owner above you is going to go, how well are you managing the people that I've given you because I promoted you? Mm. And, um, mm-hmm. in a similar way, you know, it's like, how are you managing God's people? Um, their souls depend on it. In, in in ways, uh, of course, we're reformed and God's sovereign, but yeah, you know, right, exactly. Norm, anything to add, my brother? No, I, I think we've kind of covered it. Just you know, Wade was talking earlier about the Utah thing, and people come in. I think a little bit of social media adds to that, and you know, it's amazing. Mm. You watch Jeff on YouTube. You know, the majority of the people who know who Jeff Durbin is. They were introduced to Jeff Durbin through YouTube. Yeah, sure. Watching him preach to Mormons and stuff like that. And then these people go, well, I can do that. So they come out here and they, and it's like, you know what? If you've watched Jeff Durbin on a video preaching to Mormons and you think you can do that, you've got to go to Apologia in Arizona and you've got to follow Jeff for a week and see everything else that that man does. Right. He does not just go out at, at nine o'clock at night and stand in front of a temple and turn on a camera and start preaching to people. Again, you guys can testify to that, that he's visiting people in hospitals. He's visiting people. He's doing counseling. He's doing church discipline. He's helping people walk down a road of restoration. He's doing all these things. But so many people, all they see 
is that video and they're well i can do that and then they come and they try and it's like no that is not being a pastor that's attaining to celebrity in some way and you know and i don't even think yeah i well i know just the few times interactions that i've had with jeff that recording those videos was not him trying to become famous it was right. just, you know, we want people to see what this is and, and how to better argue. And, you know, did it elevate him to some level of celebrity? Sure. But that's not that picture of Jeff on YouTube is not who Jeff Durbin is. Yeah. You don't know Jeff Durbin because you've seen a YouTube video. There's so much more to that pastoral ministry exactly. that that man has far beyond that. But we see that happening and people they watch a video, they think they can do it. And, you know, next thing you know, they're out here trying to plant a church and yeah. it's not biblical. And and Jeff has a mentor like Pastor James White, and yeah. he has a team around him of Pastor Luke and Pastor Zach and deacons around them. And, uh, you know, Pastor Wade here. And uh, it's it's Amen. not just him. It's, it's not a local body. Yeah. Exactly. Paul, it Paul says it. It's a body. There's there's hands, there's feet, there's arms, there's eyes, there's ears. It's a, it's a body. It can't can't operate. If you have a pastor with nobody, you have one dude. <laughs> you right. know? It's nothing. You need a body. But you you bring up a good point, um, Norm. That I just has been on my heart a lot lately. I'll say it real quick. Is just there's this tendency, especially in this online social media world today, um, where we see clips from G3, clips from Shepherd's Conference, Founder's Conference, Fight, Laugh, Feast, from this, from that. We see Paul Washer, we see Vody, we see MacArthur, we see, you know, Steve Lawson, we see Jeff Durbin, James White. We see all these guys, and, you know, they what, what, it, can, what, it, what it can tend to do with the average churchman is go, that's what my pastor should be like. Mm. And then so then they disregard the giftings and love of their local pastor yeah, too. Right. Honor honor your local pastor. Honor your pastor. Uh, enjoy those those online sermons, but you should be learning mostly from your right. pastor. And uh, a lot of people will send emails to Apologia, probably send emails to Grace Community hoping to get MacArthur, hoping to get Paul Washer um, at his, yeah. at his right. organization at HeartCry, hoping to get answers for issues in life. It's like, we always tell them, talk to your pastor. We, we, are not, right. we are not accountable over your life, but there is one, there is one who is. Yeah. And so talk with them. So, you know, really, those are great to supplement and listen to and throw on driving around, you know, from, from evangelism to home or something. But really... Honor your pastor. Honor yeah. your pastor. Amen. Yeah, I Amen. mean, are you looking at them and then you're thinking that the pastor who has 20 local members who you never see online, who's been faithful for 20 or 30 right. years to those 20 members, continue to right. do evangelism, who's the who's the better pastor? That man's a hero. That's that's yeah. incredible. That's right. a that's a lifetime of ministry. That's glorious. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He's sacrificially poured out his life for for his post, right? That's the post he's been given. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. that's that's the post that he's been faithful to 
and he's been faithful to it for 30 years, right. small town. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I don't know much about the man, but I was, had the opportunity to go serve at a, a church and do a teaching for abortion ministry in Kansas. And uh, this pastor, you know, of a small uh, congregation, been pastor, I think, over 30 years in a small town in Kansas. And man, I'd think about that faithfulness. I praise, yeah. I praise God for that. Amen. 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 And my, my opinion is if, if somebody asks you, you see it on, on Facebook all the time and places where people are like, who's your favorite pastor? Hmm. If your answer is not your local pastor, then repent. Because <laughs> either, either you're not paying attention to your local pastor enough, or you don't have a local pastor and you need to get into a church body. So go. again, yeah. if you're a member of Apologia Utah and someone asks you who your favorite pastor is, your answer should be Pastor Wade. If you're a member, <laughs> I, I promise you, anytime that question is asked me, Pastor Brian Sobe, because he is my pastor. Before that, it was Jeremy Bear. Before that, it was Kellen uh, Criswell. You know, those are the men who are my pastor. Jeff Durbin's not my pastor. I love Jeff. I love Luke. I love the podcast. I love everything that they do. I love, you know, all that stuff, but they're not my pastor. Right. You know, Vody Balcom is not my pastor. None of these guys is my pastor. My pastor is Brian Sobey. And if someone's going to ask me who my favorite pastor is, Brian Sobey, because that's the man who speaks into my life. That's the man who cares about me enough to call me once in a while and go, how are you doing, Norm? How's your family? How's your wife? You know, that's my favorite pastor. And if yeah. you can't answer your local pastor, repent. Mm. Yep. Good. That's good, brother. Thanks for adding that in. Well, uh, I think we've had a great discussion. Yeah. Uh, got to hear a great testimony. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to end it. And the way that we always end this show is, surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. I don't understand, they don't understand I'm running with the fam, yeah, I love the fam And we gon' start a one, that's from up above And they gon' know it's us by the way we love All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers And we gon' worship the Father and we gon' drown in this water All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers And we gon' worship the Father and we gon' drown in this water Family, 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 Christ up